talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. everybody is it tuesday again already it is and it's fight club hey good morning everyone good morning happy tuesday everyone well welcome back to fight club for business the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing finances systems and culture we're a team of self-employed industry experts and we get to be joined i think it was said somewhere on facebook magazine by the greatest mind in home service business that was the quote that was dropped this week um, and that's Tom Howard. Thank you for joining us, Tom. Thanks. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We're excited to have you on. And for those that might not know you or about yourself and your background, do you mind just giving our listeners a brief rundown of yourself? Yeah. Um, I'd say I'm not the greatest mind in home service business. Uh, that would be a little bit too much to live up to. Um, but yeah, I, uh, own air conditioning and plumbing shops in California. Um, I used to own one in uh, Vegas as well, um, and that one recently sold. And I was an early user of Service Titan, and the founders asked me to work there. Um, so I've been working with Service Titan for three years now, a little over three years, three and a half, and still own my air conditioning and plumbing shops, most of them. Awesome. Very exciting. Well, thank you for joining us. And those new listeners or returning listeners, my name is Taylor Maroney. I co-own a power washing and paper sealing company with my husband in South Florida. And my background's in marketing. So that's what I like to talk to our guests about. And my love really came from helping business owners kind of understand those numbers behind it. Can get can become a very daunting task when looking at marketing dashboards and what those numbers and analytics really mean and how to make better decisions based upon those. So that's where my uh, passion kind of lies, and I really love to help business owners, but excited to have you on, Tom, and welcome back to Fight Club, everyone. Yes, Thanks. welcome back. Uh, my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online, and my passion is inspiring and educating home service business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. And I met Tom during one of those missions at one of these conferences uh, where I think I was talking about financial statements and he was talking about KPIs and profitability. And uh, we crossed paths a couple different times and have connected since. And I'm excited to have you on the show. I also own Likes Accounting Company, a full service accounting firm. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, window cleaning company, Jeff Likes Clean Windows and Gutters and a couple other things. And I'm excited to be back here on this Tuesday. So welcome to Fight Club. Hey there, Tom. I'm Michelle Myers, co-owner of Pink Collars. So if you need a CSR or an office manager or dispatcher in your business, we provide those remotely. Um, and I love that. And then my also second side hustle is I'm married to an awesome man named Doug, who is going to spend some time with Megan this weekend in Nashville at that awesome mastermind. And we do a floor coatings company called Wise Floor Coatings of Loudoun. So I'm in the trades and in service in a couple of different ways. And I'm thrilled to talk to you about Service Titan today and all things that I see happening for that software. Thank you so much for joining us on Fight Club today. I'm super fun to have you here. <laughs> and lastly, I'm Martha Woodward. I uh, owned a maid service company for 13 years in a neighboring state. So I had to learn early on how to be an absentee owner. 
Um, I started a software because of my maid service that measured employee performance. And so I'm all about the stats that you were talking about and the accountability. And um, I'm part of office or the admin boot camp with these ladies that we have something coming up in August in mm. Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, which is where July, Tom August, yeah. <laughs> We're bringing all of Fight Club to Las Vegas, Tom. We're going to have to come see you. Yeah. <laughs> we should. The whole crew. The whole crew. Plus about 50 to 100 admins. It's going to be fun. All right, Tate, start us off. Awesome. Cool. So I get to steal you first, Tom. And we're going to talk a little bit about marketing. Um, and what I found was very interesting that obviously you have your businesses in California. Obviously, I'm assuming a little bit more absentee owner at this point. Um, but I want to talk about kind of the different branches of the business because I know your, let me get my notes pulled up here again. Your one business you do have in a couple I different my, cities. I have my lease pin if you need help knowing what the branches are. I realized I was writing with a lease pin right now. Tom. You are? <laughs> I didn't realize. Goes between that and an A1 pen. They're good pens. Sorry. I was leave it to you to always be on brand with our uh I guess we can call it sponsorship marketing in a sense. Yeah, <laughs> My affiliate marketing. Your affiliate thing. marketing. There we go. For those of you listening, I, I one of the companies I own in California is called Lee's. That's why she has Lee's pen. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Focus, focus. It's I have a feeling it's gonna be all over the place today, but we're gonna work with it. <laughs> So as far as the, um, the businesses in California, we've got a couple different areas. So we cover Fresno, Sacramento, and Beverly Hills. And that's, um, now is that just the plumbing or is that the HVAC as well? What's, can you kind of give me the um, Well, start? we actually recently acquired one in, in Visalia. I partnered up with um, awesome. Justin Miller in Visalia. We finalized that in January. Um, but yeah, uh, Fresno, Visalia both have plumbing and HVAC. The other two just have HVAC. Um, awesome. And they range in sales from Sacramento should only do about 3 million in revenue this year. Fresno will be about 35. Um, Visalia should do about 10. And um, Beverly Hills in the high 20s. 20. Cool. Wow. That's amazing. So I'm assuming all of them are using Service Titan, which does help with the you know efficiency of communicating with customers. And that's kind of where I want to land today is really talking about the customer experience, um, because that's an area for me that's I really I really do love. And it's something I do preach about. I tend to preach about often, um, but it's an area of marketing that does tend to get forgotten about um, just because it's kind of the mundane side of marketing like we do it. It's there. We'll kind of put on our face and be happy and be bubbly when we need to. But we sometimes forget about the other pieces that are involved. And it seems as though Service Titan, from what I've researched and done, um, I don't use that product personally, but it really does help with that experience. So can you kind of talk to what pieces of Service Titan, what type of uh, tools within Service Titan really do help aid in the customer service experience? Yeah, I think... You know, I've talked to a lot of people. I was talking to a small company about a week ago and I was sitting in their office and they said, yeah, you know, we do all that stuff. We, you know, text our customers when we're on the way. We call when we're on the way. We send a follow-up message asking, you know, if they liked us to please leave a review, that kind of thing afterwards. And we send email follow-ups for 
um, if we don't sell the estimate to see if we can, you know, get them to buy and that kind of stuff. And then we call them whatever. Um, the reality is that that may be the case and it may actually be the case for a small two person shop. Um, it is still incredibly difficult as a two person shop to remember to do all that stuff on every job every day. That's literally, I mean, on a, we probably have like five or six customer touches. If you have two, two technicians running four calls a day each, that's eight calls a day times, let's say at least five customer touches, you know, you're looking at 40 tasks per day for two people. Yeah. Now, when, first of all, you're probably not going to pull that off. You're probably not going to remember to do all those things. Additionally, now imagine if you have a hundred techs, <laughs> like just start thinking about, okay, now I've got 4,000 customer touch. Like that's ridiculous. It's never going to happen. No. So, and, and the thing with businesses is that in anything that you do, if you can automate it and take the human element out of it, so it has to happen then it's going to go through. Now, the reality is 30 years ago, before we had the software to pull these things off, you had to build processes and procedures. And that's why all these consultants talk about processes and procedures, processes and procedures. Sure, we need processes, I get it. However, the new age is just automation. Mm -hmm. You should only build processes and procedures for things you can't automate. <laughs> like the, the gold standard is automate, so you don't have to build anything for it. You don't have to hire somebody to do it. So they don't need, you don't need to train them on a process. The reality is when you have automation and you have a machine doing it, machines don't call in sick or file workers comp claims against you and, you know, threaten you and do all this other stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know, uh, pick up hookers in your van on their long break. I got that text speak. message once. There was a bet. Will Tom Howard talk about hookers on the Fight Club podcast? Wow. <laughs> There's no way he would do that. Thanks, Tom. I can't tell you how frustrating it is when you get, and, and just shocking, when you're sitting on, I was at an executive meeting at Service Titan. And no, I got we're not going to talk about it. Every time you mention it, I'm going to lose more money. Can you please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a text message saying like, hey, this happened and got picked up by the police. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's an employee in our van with the sign on the side in the middle of work day. So, <laughs> I mean, the reality is why would you build these processes and procedures when you can automate and not have to do it now for everything you can't like, yeah, I do it. So that's what service Titan does. All those things, a text message, email, call, whatever, um, with the calls, they don't automatically call it. Well, it'll trigger them to call but it'll record the call and save it on the system so we can actually verify that it actually happened. Um, it follows up on unsold estimates. It sends messages to the customers it, you know, um, to let them know we're on the way. It shows a GPS tracker coming. It confirms the appointment with them. That's another customer touch. So basically by the time that um, we call them service specialists, but you guys, you know, technicians, whatever. Um, by the time they get to the house, you've already built up this, rapport and you seem like a legit company that knows what they're doing yeah um, i mean seven to eight just in that brief like two minute discussion just there mm -hmm. uh, and my mind goes too of those seven to eight touches were originally on our admins most likely it's not oh, like yeah. we're doing them 
um, or the technicians themselves. Most likely that falls on the office staff. So now we're offloading off of our admins, giving them free space in their brain during the day, which is they're doing normally a thousand tasks a day. And like Michelle said, they really can only handle about a hundred. That's kind of what Michelle's always taught us. That's really their like breaking point is a hundred different tasks throughout the day that they can put their effort into and taking just offloading eight of those is giving them so much air to breathe. I feel like as an admin, which is incredible. So I'll let you keep going, but I just want to make sure yeah. I want to, like, that's just like eight before the technician even gets there. It, it service time also tracks the number of tasks the admin are doing. So it tracks every time they click in there, every time they go to a different page, every time they do whatever. So, I mean, that's one of the things that people don't really utilize in service time. A lot of people don't know it's there, but it's a, basically a, um, admin tab. It's, it's a, um, report that you can run in service Titan that says how many things are they doing per day which was great we actually built it when people um, started working from home during covid so it was during the covid release packs was early of 2020 right. released so it's like you can send all your csrs home and you can see what they're doing throughout the day and we had some csrs that would just stop and take like a three-hour lunch <laughs> and no one really knew um and, and this is at my company and you start realizing like wow they're not doing anything and then you have these other csrs that were just rocking it and you can easily start seeing the difference of what's happening. Um, now, if you have somebody that's doing a lot of tasks but doesn't have the close rate on, on the calls, then you can coach that. If you have someone that's just not doing the tasks, then, you know, they probably need to be enrolled in the employee relocation program. But um, to another company. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of help there. But the reality is, from the marketing perspective, the number one thing Service Titan did and still does is that it tracks all your marketing campaigns. So, you know, if someone calls my office and I have a CSR on the phone, and by the way, I have some remote CSRs in Armenia that handle all my nighttime calls, but they're actually my employees. And then I have CSRs here. It doesn't matter where they are, what time zone they're in, whatever. Um, when they get the call, it'll say, let's just say Megan is, you know, going to get her air conditioner fixed. It'll say Megan likes is calling from Google ad number 632 um, or Yelp ad number whatever and for this location and automatically puts that onto your marketing tracking. So then when we book the call and we run the job, let's say it costs $800 to get the air conditioner fixed. Um, we know that Google ad number 632 generated $830 today from mm -hmm. technician, whatever, through Megan likes, you know, it's so, so, that's great. We're getting so granular on that side of the marketing, which is amazing because then that you can make decisions upon that, right? That's what I said in the beginning. And that's where, I feel a lot of business owners tend to struggle sometimes is when they are looking at marketing, they can't really say exactly where their client came from. Sometimes it's, well, they could have looked on Google and then maybe clicked on an ad or they could have done, went straight to the ad. Like you are literally black and white, have the phone number, first name, last name of the client and the source of where they specifically came from. So that's, it doesn't get more, you know, less gray area yeah. more black and white than that so it's as far as marketing standpoint goes that's a game i'm sure a game changer for you guys you were mm -hmm. able to adjust finances and adjust marketing plans to be even more effective and grow the business and scale even larger that was i mean we have a lot of stuff implemented at my company and service Titan, but that was one of the first things we implemented and it's the most important thing honestly and um i know megan the quickbooks integration and accounting is important but um, the number one thing that we really wanted is the confidence to pour marketing dollars into something that we knew was actually working. 
Um, mm -hmm. Most people, I just bought a company in Australia and it's 43 million in revenue. And we have no idea what's working and what's not. And we're terrified to start having them work. So I have someone coming in the background. Uh, <laughs> we're terrified to start putting dollars into it until after we had that worked out. Yeah. So um, we can't exactly, you know, um, we can't do that till we have server site and tracking it. Exactly. You can't, we can't really make those decisions effectively until we know exactly where the money is worth being spent. And you're that's basically playing roulette. Yeah, you are. You put, put your money on black and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot of times I feel how business owners look at marketing. It's yeah. well, I'm going to put this out there and we're just going to hope to God it comes back in and doubles. Maybe hopefully yeah. fingers crossed. If not, then maybe we'll throw it on red next time and hope. And, and then, by the way, what we all do is we blame our marketing company when it goes wrong because we're oh, not we tracking, we're not doing anything, and then the marketing company must suck. Um, I, yeah, I will speak to that from working at a marketing company and dealing with clients. It was always our fault, um, and and ninety percent of the time it was just they weren't actually looking at the data or they weren't able to analyze it on their end to know exactly where the leads were coming from and tracking it effectively within the business because it's a partnership. It's 100% a partnership. <laughs> yeah, Michelle, the CSRs aren't booking the calls or the technicians aren't closing. So it's always the, you know, marketing company's fault. <laughs> we <laughs> utilize tracking numbers for time, but we're getting more and more folks booking via schedule engine. I had 80 customers via schedule engine last month, and I don't know. I probably tracked those. Any ideas? Hey, Chris, um, on that, I can speak to that really quickly. Um, the deal when we bought schedule engine search i just bought schedule engine i don't know last year late last year um something like that i can't remember the exact timing um but the development dollars that we're putting in is tracking marketing attribution on schedule engine because what chris is saying right now is that when the call comes in through schedule engine it attributes that call or um those marketing dollars to schedule engine where in fact there was some online ad that someone clicked on to get to your website mm -hmm. where you clicked on the schedule engine link and booked it. So what we're trying to get is um, initial attribution on that, on that click. So Service Titan is working on building in um, call attribution for any schedule engine calls as well. Now that they bought schedule engine. Um, oh yeah. Uh, it looks like, I don't know who put that last one. I didn't get to read the rest of it. <laughs> I think we can throw some notes up there for us. <laughs> yeah, for Got it. Hope for, that answers the question. I think, well, from a marketing standpoint and a marketing data kind of nerd that I like to be, that's beautiful to see that there are CRMs that are working to give that data to clients because it's very essential. And it is a partnership. That's kind of, this is kind of where I'll end with the marketing segment today is if you are getting your data and you're able to analyze it, just know that you have to do the work on your end as well. Know you have to be able to know where the leads are coming from, track them throughout the entire process from estimate to initial booking and so on and so forth, because we need that's where, you know, cost per acquisition comes into play and cost per lead and things of that sort. We need to know those numbers and able be able to make decisions based upon that. So. I appreciate you taking some time with me today, Tom. And we've talked a little bit more about finances here at the end. So it's kind of a perfect transition for Megan to hop on in here. Awesome.
I'm trying to finish that last thought because I think that was good. You left with KPIs. So you said client acquisition costs, cost per lead. And then I think the other thing I love about service rating is that you can actually track the value of that client really easily. Like if you get them, if you get them attributed correctly on that first call, you can see what the lifetime value is. So I'm going to finish there. Is there anything else you want to add to this list of KPIs for marketing? Um, I think we'll stick with those three for now. I don't want to overwhelm people too much. <laughs> Um, all right, so I I really, really want to talk about Fetch Tech, and I'm trying not to get distracted. <laughs> but you said one other thing, so I'm going to offer us like a shiny object distraction if we need it. Um, and that is, I want to talk about Service Titan follow-up because I feel like it's underutilized. I feel like there's a lot of like tools in there that could be optimized. Uh, I know we share a mutual passion around rehashing and the importance of rehashing. So that could be our distraction, but where I thought we were going and I literally had coffee with somebody this morning. They're like, you're going to talk to Tom Howard. Can you ask him? And I was like, yeah, that's a great question. So there's a ton of discussion about mergers and acquisitions right now in home service. And I know you've had your hand in your share of acquisitions and in mergers. And I think the fetch a tech story is one worth telling. Um, kind of like, how did it start? How did it go? How did it, I don't know if we can say end, but you know, where is it now? Um, yeah. Is that something that you feel comfortable sharing with our listeners? I think it's yeah. really inspiring. There's certain details that I can't share due to um, non-disclosure yeah. agreements, but I can give you a lot. Um, right. So. So we've got like, let's say six minutes. Can we get the six minute version of the Fetch Tech story? Yeah. Um, Fetch Tech came along because uh, Jerry Finney and I, um, Jerry Finney owned, uh, two companies in Vegas. He had just bought a company called priority plumbing and, uh, another company called ACLV. Um, and, um, we had been talking and, um, I've been giving advice kind of for free over the phone. Just like, Hey, he's, he was a friend that I met is actually with Ishmael Valdez at a conference. Ishmael introduced us. Um, Ishmael Valdez. Anyway, bottom line was, is that not it on the show yet, by the way, Ishmael, what? Ishmael has not made it on the show yet, even though he has tried, but not successfully made it because 7am is early. So this is my silent <laughs> about how Tom Howard is here at 7am and Ishmael someday. We would love to have you in the yeah. future, maybe if you can. So and here I am, you know, in my uh, not so uh, professional office here with my surfboard in the background. So <laughs> my father-in-law so much um, greatest mind in home service i'm just saying yeah so six minute version now i'm down to like four minutes the bottom line is is that we had the opportunity jerry and i talked and i said look why don't i just buy half of your company and um then we kind of said well that'd be cool but we really need people that can make things happen and um brent buckley came along and he was looking for a place to go and the guy, Brent's got to be one of the best salespeople in the country. I have data on a lot of stuff, and I can tell you that he's up there in in the top spots. Uh, he sold, he ended up selling $14 million in revenue last year um, by himself and not over the phone. Like, personally, went to the houses in most cases and closed the jobs. Um, and he's, he's unreal. He also would go out, any tune-up we had, he would go on... For, for the first couple of months, he didn't run a sales call. He just ran tune-ups and would turn them into sales. And we're talking about selling a million dollars a month off of tune-ups. 
I mean, the guy is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and so we said, well, if we get him in at first, I thought I could probably get to a million or two million of EBITDA flipping this company. And, um, but if we had Brent, I think we get to like 3 million or yeah, something I like my that. Hey, you said EBITDA briefly. <laughs> so earnings Profit. before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, uh, otherwise known as for layman's like net income, essentially. So Tom's, yeah. Tom's net income before you start screwing with it. Yeah. yeah. So Tom's <laughs> trying to buy into something, build it up. And I think it's important for this discussion on mergers, acquisitions, and potential exit. He's prioritizing, they're going to say net income for now. He's prioritizing yeah. EBITDA and he knows his hurdle, his goal is not, we can hear a gross revenue goal, listeners. We heard a EBITDA goal, one to two million. And then he's building a team around him to increase that goal, which is not a mm-hmm. revenue goal. I just, I love this about you, Tom, and the way your brain thinks is we're not prioritizing revenue here. We're prioritizing EBITDA. Okay, keep yeah. going. And by the way, no one buys your revenue. No one cares. <laughs> nobody cares. And Tom introduced me to Davey and he has this purple Tom spinny. I feel like every time he's on that screen, I can see it because his face is lighting up as purple. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. (laughs) We we only have three minutes left. (laughs) Okay. So bottom line is is that um, he had another, a GM that was fantastic named Dennis Thompson. Um, He had, um, anyway, that was what it was. We kind of split up equity between ourselves and said, look, we're going to, um, turn this thing around. Um, I would build the budget and help with the processes and procedures. Um, Brenton would just go sell like a maniac. Um, Dennis would keep things going on a day-to-day basis and actually make the execution happen. Um, we ended up bringing in Dan Antonelli and we said, Hey, it'd be fun to do this together. You know, instead of small equity percentage and Dan did the rebrand and called it uh, fetch a tech and it had a dog on it with a wrench in its mouth you know, for fetching a tech. Um, and everyone hated the brand at the time. Um, a lot of the employees said, man, we look like a dog grooming service. And Dan said, that's the point uh, from the marketing perspective. You got to have this like be outside the box and people will recognize who you are. And sure enough, it just blew up. And I mean, the brand just was amazing. So um, anyway, people really associate themselves with it. By the way, on the marketing side, one of the things Dan says in his book, he's like, don't look, don't make a mascot on your company that looks cool. Um, usually most of the people that are in the industry right now are middle-aged white men who want like a nasty dog with like big teeth or something where Mr. And Mrs. Jones that are like 65 years old, don't want something that would like scare a small child, um, pulling up to their house. Um, so anyway, definitely avoid the, uh, overly masculine, aggressive, uh, ridiculous mascots. It's just not a good thing. Um, a lot of pink and purple lately. I'm just, yeah, like, there's been a lot of purple coming out of Dan's shop and pink. check your ego and your thoughts at the door and, uh, go with a brand that matters to your customers and, um, and the things that would feel well to them. So if, if the you're looking book- up, the, sorry, no, the it's mentioned was from uh, Blanded to Branded, and Tom has a couple of different brands that are mentioned in that book. Um, I yeah. feel like that was the first time I got to talk to you personally. I was like, I drive down 99. Well, there's a period in my life where I drove down a lot because my mom was sick. But I'm like, and I, I like, Lee's, I didn't know it was yours, but I knew it was a Dan brand. Like, it was so obvious to me that it was a Dan brand, and then turned out it was Tom. Yeah. 
Uh, who was the who was the person running the day to day operations? I missed the name. Uh, Dennis Thompson. Okay. Yep. And so this Fantastic was the operator. We had Brent, you, Dennis, Jerry, Dan. Um, Dennis and Ellie, and then we um we ended up buying a third company. Now the crazy thing is we got Fetch Attack. We had it for um August through like uh October. And so we got late, we got started late August. We had September, October, and we turned profits in September and October. Not a lot of profit, but we turned profit. And I thought, well, I got two months, so we're going. And I went and talked to Climate Control Exports and said, look, um, they were having issues in their company. And I said, you know, um, Colin Hathaway um, was there. He owned, he was the main owner of Flint Group, and he's a great friend of mine and awesome investor and operator. If you ever, ever had the chance to work with Colin, I'd highly recommend it. Um, but anyway, there, it was their one location that wasn't making money. It was actually losing a lot of money. Um, and they were frustrated about it and they didn't have the bandwidth to like constantly go to Vegas and be babysitting this thing themselves. And I said, look, I literally, I kept asking them to let me buy it and they wouldn't. So I finally made a piece of paper sign. And I said, you know, those signs that you put on posts um that you see that say like jim buys ugly houses in your area um, yeah with the phone number yeah yeah i wrote tom buys ugly houses in las vegas call you know and then put up my phone number at the bottom on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and then i crossed off houses and put ac businesses <laughs> and um and then i took a picture of it and sent it to them i said hey i'm putting these up around vegas um tomorrow and i want to give you a shot to be the first one and <laughs> i could just like they didn't respond right so <laughs> i could just see call it like i've known him for years uh trevor flanagan was involved there as well trevor has an investment in uh, flint group and i could just see them being like this effing arrogant piece of <laughs> and so finally they called me and um i basically said look i'll give you a percentage of the overall company um, for your climate control experts company. And the crazy thing is, is this has got to be one of the best deals I've ever done. Um, and it, and I, I call it the best deal because it worked out for both of us on both sides. Um, they're like, Oh, okay. And it looked like they had a couple hundred thousand dollars of profit. And I was like, man, it's gonna be a hard sell. Cause they're like still profitable. I thought they weren't. And, um, um, you know, I'm going to give them a small piece of my company the percentage was pretty small, but, um, you know, let's see what I can do. And my revenue at my other two companies, ACLV and priority that we just combined was at 5 million for the year and their revenue for the year was 6 million. And I thought they had profit and I barely had turned a profit for two months anyway. So I go into this call and I'm like, guys, here's my model. I built out this pro forma and showed like, Hey, this is what this looks like in a while. And here's what your equity could be worth and blah, blah, blah. And, um, they're like, dude, but we're like, you know, 6 million in revenue and you're like five and, you know, we're both looking at not, not a lot of profit. And, um, I'm like, yeah, but like, you Together. know, I'm not profit and you guys don't have very much at all. And they're like, yeah, well, um, ours is, you know, so you should come with me. They're like, yeah, I have two months. I'm like, yeah, but like, we're going to make this happen. <laughs> and I'm just going off of just whatever. So bottom line is I wasn't, I didn't pay any cash for the first two companies. I, I got equity for free from Jerry Finney. He was very generous on that. 
but he needed a way to make money. Additionally, I was trying to buy this third company with no money and it's a $6 million revenue company. But I convinced them that, you know, it'd be a good idea. Well, they're like, well, I guess, you know, we should do it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like they actually said yes. Money <laughs> we're losing right now. Like we, we should definitely do it. I'm like, what do you mean losing? Like it says you have profit. They're like, no, that dash and then the profit. Is oh. a negative and I'm like, oh crap. You know what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden I start sinking. Um, and, and Colin is laughing. I mean, he's, he's like, Tom, I've been there. Like I've made this, <laughs> like I missed a zero on the, you know, total profit. Look like an idiot. my heart so bad. And we have two minutes to get to the happy ending. So you really gotta, So gotta, bottom line was uh, they started turning like crazy. And Colin, I literally said, look, you guys have $500,000 in the operating account. I need to borrow that. So I need you to give me the company for free. I need you to take a small equity position. And I need you to give me all the money in it. And I, I'll pay you back in six months. I'm like, Tom, you're, you're going to try to make profit in the off season. And we're talking about like $500,000 left in the operating account. And they were so generous. They're like, you know what? Just, just keep it. I was like, I need that to rebrand my company and flip it around, this company. And they said, okay. And so they gave us 500K and we took the money we, and thanks to like Dennis and Brent who were operating in it, they actually turned that profit in the off season enough to make the money. We got to May when we we're supposed to pay it back. And I said, don't even worry about it. Just keep it in there until like July, if you need to, or whatever, we're making so much money, like just keep growing. Um, at that point I had a projection of 3 million of EBITDA, 3 million profit. We ended up, um, we did buy one more company. We paid cash for it in uh, September, but we ended up turning over $6 million of profit for the year. Um, so the first, went from the first 15 months. Yeah, we went from negative one million of profit the previous year. If you add all those three companies together, to um, six million dollars of profit in wow. one year, and in, um, in in like one calendar year. All right, keep going. Yeah. And we ended up selling it like fifteen months after we uh, did that deal. So we had over six million dollars of profit. And we got a large multiple. Now I can't share that multiple, okay. but um, but, so, but the 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 fun part of this story is. You could be sitting on a losing business and maybe it's just yeah. you the wrong team or maybe you're just underfunded or maybe you just need a Tom Howard to come in. Right. Uh, Chris says, I'm not worthy, but in <laughs> he took it from a net loss of a million dollars to a net profit. We're using, you know, we're assuming net profit of six million. And I, I wanted the listeners to hear that story because you can do it, too. Like you can be losing this month and there's yeah. a couple things you can change. There's a couple systems you can put in place. There's rebrands that you can implement. A lot of it is just knowledge, right? A lot of it is just having the right people in the right seats doing the right thing. Um, I have spent a little mm -hmm. bit of time at least never with Tom. I've never seen Tom at least, but I've been there a little <laughs> bit and it is hilarious. Like Vegas is a dirty word in Fresno. Like, because <laughs> you know, Tom, I, I've heard that you say, well, in Vegas, we can, in Vegas, we can. <laughs> because I do that to every one of my companies because every company has something good that they're doing. Yeah. And that's every company I've visited too that aren't even my companies. Like if if you look around, the reason they're in business is because they're doing something well. Just find the thing that they're doing well. And, and you, you know, in Vegas, I go and say in Fresno, we do XYZ. Yeah. So it, it <laughs> and, is, he, and he turned around in the same market, somebody who couldn't make money with just a few little tweaks in less than a year, making shit ton of money. So thank you for sharing that story. I hope that our listeners are inspired. Like it's not too late. You can, we call it a turnaround for a reason. And I think that that's probably one of the most inspiring turnaround stories I've heard in a long time. And I wanted to hear it from you directly. So I have to share my time. I'm going to pass 
Michelle, she's going to nerd out about systems. And I think she's the first one that ever said the word service titan to me. So I probably did. I probably <laughs> Hey there, Tom. Okay. I am on uh, your Lee's website and I have a quick question for you. For those who are in the acquisition mode, and I see that you do, at least you do AC, heat, plumbing, and water heaters. But then when I open Fetch a Tech, you do air conditioning, heating, plumbing, indoor air quality. Talk to me about how you decide if you're a plumbing and HVAC shop, how to add that third or fourth offer. How do you choose that? Do you buy it? Do you grab it from somebody else? How do you choose that to kind of broaden your reach in your, your service area? Um, you know, there's a couple of things. I One is that you've got to decide if you're going to buy or start and the inputs on that, the variables that you look at is how much money do I have right now? How long do I have until I need to start making money on this? Um, how much time, effort, and frustration am I willing to put in? Um, if you've got all the time in the world and you don't mind the effort and frustration and you don't have a lot of cash to get into it, um, start your own. <laughs> okay. You're, you're going to have to like draw down some of the profit on your main business. Just make sure your business is profitable first. Um, your core business. Uh, th this is one issue that people have a lot is my core business isn't making money. So I just need to add X, Y, Z. Yeah. That's like a failing marriage saying, I just need to add children. Like that'll, that'll solve, we'll be so bonded. And it's like, just makes everything, anyone who's ever had kids knows that like, whatever the issues you have, it gets exponentially worse. Kids are like magnifying glasses, right? Yep. Like it magnifies all your problems. So fix all your problems in your main business. If you've got problems like fix those first to make sure you're profitable and solid before you go trying to start getting into another you have no business getting into another trade unless you know what you're doing in your main trade um so secondly if you've got the the time at that point your main business is making money and you're willing to take some losses on it for a little while or just just sure. less profit to go mess around in plumbing or whatever else mm -hmm. um if you're an hvac company or if you're in plumbing you want to add hvac like go do it but take the time um, if you have less time to screw around and you have more cash on your hand, now, when they say time is money, you're always trading, right? Yeah. So I can spend the time building my own, not to pay the cash, or I can go buy a business with cash and, um, add it to mine. Now it does take a certain skill set to migrate them in. Mm -hmm. And that skill set is very expensive to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, when my wife asked me about my acquisitions and I've purchased, 15 companies, maybe, maybe more over the past, over the years. Um, um, I quit counting after like 11 or 12. <laughs> um, and when we had an acquisition go sideways or had a long day at work, she's like, how, how'd it go today? I said, I paid a lot of tuition. <laughs> um, and, and the reality is that tuition starts adding up, but it does teach you the lessons. Yeah. Um, so there are lessons that come with um, acquiring companies and, how to migrate the employees over and how to get them excited and that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> and um, it, it's someone's talking, by the way, um, on the, oh, sorry, that was more. Um, bottom line is, is that if you can do that, go ahead and buy it. Now, same thing applies. If you're not doing well in your main business, you have no business going out and buying up another business. Like there is nothing that replaces proper management and proper execution in your core platform plain and simple like don't add these other industries because 
you're trying to solve a problem in your core and make profit. So um, yeah, just stick with that. Okay, and then one last one. I'm on Lee's website as well. And I love the fact that you added filters in for your customers, right? DIY, people that can just buy a filter. Tell me how that gets fulfilled. If somebody wanted to add that to their business, how does that happen? I just explain the process for our listeners who might want to add something like that DIY to their website. Yeah, um, there's a few online platforms. I think in this case, we use Tall Paul out of, um, I think he's out of Florida. Um, and I, I'm, I'm trying to give a plug to his site right now. Um, <laughs> but um, they, they basically do your um, fulfillment for you. Uh, Paul used to be on the, for those of you who know him, he used to be on the Cristiano's podcast with them. Um, and a Paul Redmond, I believe. Hmm. So um, he um, basically has a company that fulfills those for us and um, makes it so they can buy them online and send them out. And the reality is they can sign up for like a, you know, monthly membership or something and have it sent to them. If people just want to change their filters that way, the, I just want to get to the point where if people want to buy online, they can. And yeah. contractors have been fighting that for a long time <laughs> and it's, it's not worth fighting. Like the internet's not a fad and you're not gonna, you know, um, you know, make something happen. So gosh, I'm looking up for, uh, the name of his company. Um, four Google searches of what you've said and I've got nothing. <laughs> not finding it. Yeah. <laughs> And Paul, Paul, Florida, Paul Redmond, filter fulfillment. Yeah. Drop just, hold on, I'm getting a name. You I, are. I, he's, I, he's on. He, he's like a chicken on a bug over there. He's gonna find it. I yeah. have lit up. Martha lit up when you said uh, people want to buy your services online. So I I use a filter subscription service, and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> Martha also hates talking to people and scheduling things. These are like absolutely least favorite it's, activities. Well, if, if a concierge could just live in my house and take care of everything. Yeah. yeah. We're going to get Martha a house manager in the future. That's on our wish list for her. She needs one of those. What I love about it is that it is an, a small, probably stream of revenue. It's probably not huge, right? No, but it's, it's a tiny. convenience. It's tiny, right? But it's a convenience for your customers. And it just gives you more authority with them, right? You're the one that's recommending the right thing for the right product for the right time, right? And that's really yeah. powerful. I, I found a company. I mean, um, Travis Ringy down in uh, ProSkill down in Phoenix made a online platform that gave prices for air conditioners online Ooh. and the crazy thing is is everyone said oh that's crazy you'll never make good profit blah 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 and their prices <clears throat> are legitimately like what they sell them for and but they typically get in the door and they start upselling right after that um and these guys are turning they're going out they're actually sending out a comfort visor to give them a quote so they're not just doing it online, but at least they can get the price online and, and get the price objections, you know, handled at a time or get it, get it in their mind. And they just made a lead gen platform online and they just totally, you know, rocked their business with it and blew it up. And they're turning, you know, a well above 20% EBITDA now, 23, 24, like they're, they're shooting for 30. Um, they ended up selling to uh service champions, which I also, you know, sold fetch attack to. It was and, um, another really good turnaround story that he told um, once at 
at vertical track. And what I loved about it was he was like, I, I distinctly remember Travis saying this from stage. He's like, it's New Year's Eve and his brother was gone or something. And he just like quadrupled his prices. Like well, holiday what happened was I went okay. to Phoenix and talked to them. I was supposed to be consulting for them. And I looked at their, their business processes were awesome. So Michelle, their systems were amazing. And I was like, you guys have your stuff dialed in. Yeah. They're like, why aren't we making a profit? And um, they were looking at, uh, they were 14 million in revenue with $1 million in profit. And they wanted to sell for 12 million bucks at the time. Um, and I said, look, you're probably not going to make it to 12 million, uh, that mm -hmm. kind of profit. It's just not going to happen. Um, and they, uh, they said, what should we do? I was like, honestly, just got to raise your prices. And they fought it and fought it and fought it. And then it was new year's Eve and he goes in the office and his brother was already in the office. His brother didn't come in ahead of him ever. His brother, <laughs> Tyler Ringy. And Tyler's like, I'm raising prices on everything. I'm going through it all. And he's like, dude, you're going to have to deal with the bad reviews online, all the pissed off customers and mm -hmm. all the other bull crap that every single small business goes through that. Like, they think that like, I can't raise prices. People will be mad at me. I, oh, it's going to be so terrible. Blah, blah. Um, he's like, I'm just going to do it. Cause if Tom's doing it in Fresno, like mm -hmm. we can do it here. And cause my prices were never a problem. I had other issues that I was always working with. So um, they start raising their prices and he's like, you know what the crazy thing is? We didn't get a single online <laughs> review or anything else. We just raised our prices and it did awesome. Um, they ended up going. Turned around like within 30 days, 45 days, 60 days. Yeah. Talk I mean, about I mean, story. It just, and I'm sorry, I almost gave the wrong brother credit. So the, the, yeah, they that. went from 14 I, million I, revenue that year to 18 million revenue. Wow. But instead of 1 million in profit, they made 3 million in profit. Wow. And then they sold it. One business. decision. And I can't tell you what the number was, but it was a lot more than 12 million. Yeah. And then and they sold. Did you hear that? In 12 months, they turned around and then they sold. Perfect. Yeah. And it's like, now they're sitting on a $3 million profit business. And by the way, here's the beauty of it. Um, in in our Vegas deal, you know, Climate Control Experts were shown by Flint Group. They made out really well and did really well in the final sale and got a nice return on their investment from their initial buy when they're losing money. Additionally, Service Champions now owns it and that company is making profit and growing it as well. Pro Skill down in Phoenix, they turned it around and they ended up selling as like two and a half years ago, three years ago. And the reality is, is that Service Champions, they're one of the best performing um, companies as far as growth and profitability in the entire Service Champions platform, including beating my Vegas business. Um, and so it's like, I don't ever want to do these turnaround stories to go dump it on somebody and have them lose money. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want them to feel like, look, I bought this and continue to grow it. And it was a great investment and it was strong. And that way everybody wins and including an employees, those employees, when Travis and Tyler sold, they gave equity to a lot of the employees to stick around. And so then when it sells again, those employees, get a lot of money. Tommy Mello, when he sold his business at A1 Garage Door, 25 of his employees became millionaires the next day. So 25 great. of them. So great. So great. These are great stories, Tom. Thank you. And it gives our listeners a lot of systems to look at, whether it be fulfillment of something with another company, a partnership, or a takeover or a purchase. So you covered a lot of stuff. Thank you so much. I'm going to pass you on to Martha. Yeah. And we're supposed to talk about people, but I'm very intrigued about I'm, I'm a fact finder and 
I never thought about like being able to go online and shop air conditioners, you know, HVAC units and put it in my shopping cart. But I would be all about that because I love to be informed. And when the salesperson comes and tells me this price and I haven't had that opportunity to kind of put in the components, uh, yeah, I, I'm a harder sell. But if I had been able to kind of put those things in the shopping cart and go, oh, yeah, that's why it's going to cost me $10,000 or whatever. And it, so that's really intriguing. It was... But, I haven't mastered it yet. And by the way, the company is called Contractor Commerce. Okay. Um, and they'll allow you to set, set up your online store on your website. Um, reach out. They, they've been great to us. Uh, like I said, the Rini brothers built their own in uh, Phoenix. Um, but bottom line is to get your foot in the door. Now, um, sorry, Martha, your question is like how to do it or? How no, no. I'm just saying that is intriguing to me. And as a consumer, I would be all about that. But yeah. love that you went there right after Tom Howard said 25 millionaire employees. And I'm like, really? That's where we're going? I love it. I'm teasing you. What I want to ask you about is I'm very big on like employee accountability and transparency. And I don't know much about Service Titan. Um, what kind of like when an employee signs in what kind of dashboards do they get to see and how are they able to look at those metrics and know if they're on track and they're meeting expectations or they're not um it's pretty straightforward so all of your um office staff like let's say your customer service rep you're getting um, your booking rate, your total booked revenue, those kind of things. You can see it. Service Titan on their works package has custom dashboards. So you can drag and drop whatever field you want. One of the issues with Service Titan is a lot of people have problems with the dashboards. Well, the reason they have problems with dashboards is that there's 52 different ways to calculate yeah. every KPI. We literally surveyed a bunch of contractors. We found 11 different ways to calculate average ticket. 11. And so they get into service and they're like, my average ticket isn't right. And it's like, well, <laughs> it is. It's calculating it this way. So we finally put like an information thing. Like, this is how we calculate the number. They're like, yeah. the data is corrupt. I'm like, dude, it, it's a computer. It adds, subtract, multiply, divide. It's not, it's fine. Um, the problem is there's all these different ways to do it. So um, you have to figure out when you're doing your custom dashboards, like which KPI do I want to look at? And so service made all the different ways that we could think of to calculate all these different numbers in different ways. And uh, you have to make sure you're looking at the, the same report, same number on both reports that you're looking at if they're off. But um, so you can pull a custom dashboard for like, let's say call booking rate. You can pull a custom dashboard for, you know, total book revenue, that kind of stuff. And you can build that and say, this is your CSR dashboard. In the field, um, your field technicians have a technician scorecard that's telling them like how much revenue they've done, which is in service science terms, that's completed revenue things you actually did. How many sales you made, which you've sold it, but maybe you haven't done it yet. So it's not turned into, it's not recognizable as revenue, Megan, on uh, your, um, according to Gap. I have so many thoughts and I am filtering. I'm just biting my tongue. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, there's, the thing is that they can look at whatever their performance is. And I think the important thing with people is, is that 
they need to be able to be looking at the things they can actually control. Mm -hmm. So I don't want my, you know, technician John to be focused on the rent on my building and what the cost is on that. Like technician John doesn't know, you know, I don't want technician Sally to be considering like what her workers comp rate is like uh, those KPIs go on the PL basically. And I mean, they're not really KPIs. Those are just indicators. Yeah. And that someone that can control that, like our controller or the GM should be looking at that. Now we publish our financial statements for everybody. It's not a secret. And in my company, it's like, this is how much profit we're making. This is what we're doing. Every tech, every person from the person that cleans the warehouse to the person that, you know, um, is the general manager, they're all able to look at the, um, PLs. However, each person needs to be looking out on a daily basis. The things they look at daily are the things that they can control and the things that matter the most to them. So technician, John or Sally or whatever, their total sales and their total revenue that they're generating should be in the forefront of their mind. Um, and even gross profit, if you can, um, and the people that are in the office, let's say customer service reps should be looking at call booking rate and total calls booked and those kind of things dispatchers probably should be looking at the total revenue for the day and whether or not they're hitting their revenue goals in the company. Um, because dispatchers can actually drive revenue a lot, um, you know, to get to where they need to be. Well, so those girls stole all my time and I don't have much time left, but, (laughs) um, I do want to say, one of the things that you talked about is that you're not hiding your revenue or your profit. You're not avoiding talking about the fact that everybody knows anyway that you're bringing in a crap ton of money. And But most business owners, well, I, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of business owners are super afraid of that. And um, was there ever a time that you were and you avoided sharing that? And, and I was so broke when I started that it didn't matter. Like I was like, oh, well, they're going to find out how much money I'm losing. Who cares? Um, the issue uh, is, I mean, that was when I first bought the company way back in the day. It was just it was difficult. Um, but I have a lot of business owners tell me like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. Like if they see my P&L and they see that I made $800,000 last year, they're going to freak out. And I start laughing and I'm like, what? I'm like, go interview the employees. I bet you most of them, if I talk to them personally right now, they think you're making two to $3 million a year. Mm-hmm. So like, why not just give them the financials so they can actually see the reality of the situation? Yeah. They think yeah. in their head, you're doing $10 million of revenue. You're probably taking home four or 5 million bucks. Yeah. Like that, that's the, that's what they're thinking. And so why are you afraid of showing them the truth? Like that it's not what it is. It's not, you're not bringing home 50% net profit. Like it's not happening, but in their head, they're like, I mean, my labor on this HVAC install, we sold it for, you know, 20 grand. My labor is like a thousand bucks. That unit is probably 3000. They're probably bringing home, you know, $15,000. Absolutely. Absolutely. And people don't understand that your employees are putting together the numbers, whether they're accurate or not. And they're also putting together in their head, Hey, he's trying to hide this from me. And so then it creates a culture of, 
um, not trusting anything you really have to say because they feel like it's a kind of an us against them mentality. So mm -hmm. it really can bite you in the butt and you think you're being clever <laughs> and you're not being clever. And, yeah, and also they start to realize when they start to see those numbers, they start to realize what's really important. And a lot of times, you know, I'll get back to the fetch tech thing real quick here. Megan is like, um, so you're bringing that up. It's when we went in there, we did have to lay a lot of people off. The reality is we had three companies that are all losing money, every one of them. And um, that's a tough pill to swallow. However, when the whole company sees that, like, look, here's our financials. Um, you guys realize that if we don't fix this in the next couple of months, we're going bankrupt and everyone loses their job. Yeah. And we're not going to be able to provide this service to the community. We're not going to be able to provide the service to the families that are here. So we're going to have to cut people, especially underperforming ones. Now, some people that got cut, they weren't underperforming. They were just, unfortunately, we had made bad decisions as a company previously before we got it that was like, okay, we hired too many people or whatever else. I didn't, when we put the three companies together, I didn't need three service managers. I didn't need three GMs. I didn't need three, you know, controllers, all that stuff. Um, but also we looked at all the processes there. And this goes with you, Michelle and systems and you, Martha, like bottom line is um, we had made a decision, uh, previous decision um, that they said, oh, we don't want to use like service Titan payments because, you know, we can get uh, 50 basis points lower, like half a percent less on our payments processing. It's like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. We're I paying quote 70. This, I, quote this, I quote this and you probably five times a week. So please say it. Yeah. It's very profound. I, I had we're paying someone $70,000 a year to take phone calls. They're sitting in their thing and processing credit card payments on the phone so that we don't have to use the button in service and be like, Hey, just process my payment. When you process that payment, now we have two systems. We have a payment processor and we have service Titan and we have to reconcile a bank statement every single month and go through and match everything to make sure everything got paid. And we can't guarantee that because you got human processes in between there. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that then we had a hundred thousand dollars of bad debt that we could have avoided if we hadn't done that because, and we'd actually automated it because those credit card payments didn't get processed. Then we have to go chase that person down for the credit card. So we're like 170 grand in trying to save 20 grand a year in credit card payments, <laughs> like in our, in our fees. So the bottom line is we just automated that. We just brought in a service and payments, no brainer. It automatically takes a payment, automatically deposits it, automatically marks it as paid in service and, and goes, uh, exports to QuickBooks. Now it's paid. That that whole thing just goes out the window and we didn't need that employee anymore. Well, unfortunately, we had to let that employee go. But the reality is when the company sees we had to do this to stay in business so everyone else can keep their job. <laughs> now they start thinking, the problem is all these business owners are like, man, my employees, they don't think like me. They don't do this and this and this. It's like, well, have they don't think like a business owner. Have you trained them on how to be a business owner? Have you shown them the financials? No. So you don't give them the information they need to be a business owner. You don't train them to think like a business owner. You don't do any of that stuff. And somehow you think, or you're not giving them incentives that if the company overperforms, they get paid more money, just like the business owner does. So they don't have the incentives of a business owner. They don't have the knowledge of the business owner. They don't have the training of the business owner. And you're wondering why they don't think like a business owner. <laughs> Give them the information. They're thinking like you and they're going to start making decisions like you. And I, I don't even live near any of my companies anymore. Yeah. And you're all operating. And I feel like if you have those feelings towards 
your staff, then what do you think they're doing and saying to your customers? I mean, if it's that kind of relationship, then how uh, there's yeah. a lot of other problems that are cooking in there as yeah. well. So anyway, but um, well, Tay, I'm going to send it back to you and we'll wrap it up so we can let Tom out of there by your 8 a.m. And do you time. have to jump, Martha? What's that? Do you have to jump? Yeah, I really should. We have um, admin boot camp, our, our membership meeting, and I'm going to teach pay for performance. So I'm going to give my homework real quick. And my homework is going to be, you know, Tom talked about sharing kind of the P&Ls and talking about that stuff. You may have heard me say before, I did it on a percentage um, basis. So we started with $100. You have single dollars and you hand out percentages to your staff. They don't know what you're handing them, but, you know, let's say you spend 10% on marketing, then one of your staff members, you're going to hand $10 to that you spread out all your percentages of the PL and then you talk to them about, okay, so a hundred dollars revenue. Um, I am going to spend it on marketing. I'm going to take your $10 mm -hmm. I'm gonna spend it on um, labor. You know, they're going to see the big chunks coming mm -hmm. out. So they understand <laughs> where that money goes and it's a great exercise so by the I'll way, put this, it in the group. yeah but I, I do that at my own company i highly recommend it with martha saying what i did is i took each employee said you're the marketing company today you're the supplier today you're the yeah. you know workers comp person and then bring a hundred dollars and one dollar bills and start paying them uh -huh. and then by the way put up a job that actually happened and by the way pick a job that went sideways mm. and at the end you've spent Ooh. all the money and then ask them like, okay, but by the way, we ordered the wrong unit. We had to go back there and switch out the unit. That cost us an extra couple thousand bucks. So it's an extra 12%. Um, by the way, where do we get that extra 12 bucks? And then $12 out of your wallet and hand it to the person that is the supplier and be like, that came out of my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is they think that you're making 50%. You're not, you're, you're, you know, you're making whatever your percentage is as a company. And then they start to realize like what it is and where it goes. Every time I do that, I'm like, do you have any other expenses in the company you can think of? Because they've thought of everything, the, the labor, the material, that kind of stuff. And they're always at like 50%. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, 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 boom. And they realize like, oh my gosh, I've got all these other expenses. I can't, I can't believe it. And you just see the owner just passing out dollar bills to everybody. And then it gets to the end and you got to start taking money out of your own wallet to, to pay the supplier. I love that. I never did that part, but you know, for people to understand, like in our world, when you left equipment back at the shop or when we had to do a, um, a, a quality revisit to go and fix something, you know, uh, driving home, how much that eats into your budget. So I love that part. I'm going to add it to my homework. <laughs> so anyway, it was so nice to meet you, Tom, and I'm sorry I have to go, but uh, I'll see you ladies over there in a little bit. And thank you so much for being on Fight Club.
All right, and we're gonna do homework real fast. Tom, if you have a hard stop, you can jump off too. Uh, but we just, good. we like to make this actionable and Tay's gonna give a whole speech about it real quick. <laughs> quick, quick rundown. So um, it is time for homework. Um, just know that you, we only ask that you choose one piece of homework. Uh, Martha just gave you her first piece. We are about to give you another uh, three to four pieces here. And this is to put into action what you heard Tom speak about today. So it's very important that we move the needle forward in our business this week and really put into action what we heard. So please only choose one. We do have an accountability group. If you do need help or would like um, just extra advice on things, you can feel free to drop questions in there. We'll go ahead and post that in the comments as well. But uh, marketing homework is really going to be, we talked, we kind of started briefly talking about the customer journey and that led into kind of talking about marketing data. and. This is something that I I feel like we've talked about before, but have we actually have you actually looked into it? Have you done the homework? Because this one is I feel like a piece of homework that tends to get overlooked. Um, not a lot of business owners like to know what is really going on. They kind of like we said they play roulette and hope it's working. But um, I want to know how you're tracking your marketing. Do you get a dashboard from your marketing company? Are you then cross referencing that with you know, having someone in the office or a system in the office that's automated, giving you the data back, telling you where those lead sources are coming from. Um, use technology to leverage this. You know, Tom talked extensively about Service Titan um, and how they are able to track that lead source uh, down to the phone number that they're calling from. I mean, that's very specific data that you're getting. So figure out what in what way you can be able to leverage technology within your company to be able to effectively get this data. But that's going to be the marketing homework this week. Love it. And uh, financial homework this week, I want you to think about the story you're telling yourself about the current financial status of your company. Mm. If you're losing money, what are your justifications for losing money? What do you have in your control to turn around? Tom told several very inspiring turnaround stories today, and they took a little bit of courage about you know understanding what's going on with your pricing, but they mostly just took being aware, getting our head out of the sand and prioritizing net profit, prioritizing EBITDA, making hard choices and hard decisions, knowing that it's for the better of the company. I heard an expression once and it was that um, a majority of businesses in America are silently going bankrupt. And when you are not paying attention to the bottom line, you are probably one of those businesses and you may not even know what's happening. And it, it feels hard and it feels scary, but think about how fun today was when we mm -hmm. talk about a turnaround 12 months from now and 13 months from now and 14 months from now, or better yet, Tom and I have been at Vertical Track and I've heard these turnaround stories in 45 days. And as yeah. soon as 45 days, you can see money in those bank accounts. So I'm going to challenge you to stop putting your head in the sand and stop telling yourself whatever story you're telling yourself about your market or about your staff or about your service offering or about the economy and look at what you can control and then go change your story. Prioritize that net profit and you can do it. You could maybe be Tom's next success story. So good. And your system's homework is to stack some value for your customers by possibly adding an e-commerce uh, site to your, to your business. And so I'm going to put contractorcommerce.com, the link to their website in our private group on Facebook. So check them out. It might be a really easy way to add another service to your business. That's your systems yeah. work. <laughs> I'll give you one of the things that taught me the most about air conditioning and plumbing and this that I would make the homework is um, there is no college out there for it to 
be a contract uh, Irishing employment business owner. But um, there's tons of businesses that are open to letting you come in and view whatever they're doing. Um, my thing would be go ahead, pick a company and go visit them, uh, show up to their shop. If they let you in, just call them like, hey, can I come visit you? If you? All of us have friends in the industry we can go visit that we haven't been visited before. If you can't find one, give me a call. Here's my phone number, 559-259-1244. I'll put it. <laughs> 559-259-1244. Please text me because I'll think it's a spam call if you just call. Um, and I'll set you up. You can come to Fresno and see my shop. You can see whatever you want. Um, people come in all the time. And I try to do that because people let me see their businesses. And I really owe a lot of my success to all those great companies that let me in, including like Dave Geiger at Horizon, who's now like 750 million in sales. And, you know, these great operators that really knew what they were doing. Um, and just let little me in there and just see everything that was going on. I'm scared to post that, but I'm going <laughs> to post it. There you go. First, anyone's given a phone number. I don't think we've had anyone. I love it. Modest here, the CEO of Service Titan, posted his personal phone number on our um, Facebook page the other day saying, hey, if you're not getting through on support and our support system is failing you because we're having a support issue, call me personally. Wow. And yeah, like five people called and he just handled it. He's like, okay, like he uh, we have a, 3,300 employees and we have the CEO of the company giving us a personal cell phone number. I'm like, fine, I'm giving out mine. He, wow. uh, he gave it out on Tommy Mello's podcast several years ago. And one of my dear friends, Sheila, she, that's her story of how she got on as a torchbearer with service site. And she called Ara personally and she was like, I am your girl. I love <laughs> And it's one of these great stories. Like, uh, that's how I made friends with Tommy Mello. That's how I made friends with Tom. You know, people give out their cell phone numbers. Take it. Don't abuse it, but take yeah. it. Most people won't text. They won't follow yeah. up. By the way, if you need my email, it's thoward at servicetitan.com. Look at him ahead of you, Tay. I know. He's, 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 he's doing all the things. He's doing all the things for me. All right. thoward at servicetitan.com. Yep. Cool. Let's wrap this up, Michelle. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. We always close out with a quote, Tom, and I liked this one today. It's from Abraham Maslow, and he says, you'll either step forward into growth or you will step backward into safety. You showed a lot of growth in the steps that you've taken in this industry, and we're grateful that you brought us along for part of it today. Thank, Thank you so you. much for joining us. Everybody have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. I love Maslow's hierarchy, by the way. I know. Right. <laughs> have a good one, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Thanks. Bye, Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.